Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Randy, what's going on this week? Uh, holidays, uh, lots of changes at work. I'm now much more of a management architect level um, person. Haven't really touched code for work much at all um, the last mm-hmm. few weeks, which is fine. Um, I'm, it's not a surprise. Just I don't think I've ever had a job where I coded this little since sure. since I left the CTO role at the finance firm ten years ago. So it's just I'm like back to what I used to do at one point. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting now the the difference is bigger team service-oriented architecture problems. Um, with a code base, I'm not really an expert at Go, but I still know all the business, all the technology problems we're dealing with are things that are not new in the sense of like Go doesn't change it. Go's just a tool to, to solve right. the problem. But the, right. the concepts and patterns are all the same still. So just interesting um, in that regard. Uh, what's up with you? Uh, not not a ton. Um, wrapping up the the year here, and and as I wrap up the year, that I've got I've got time to focus on some things because it tends to get a little quiet in the in the facility maintenance business right at the end of the year because nobody wants you in their stores around mm-hmm. Christmas. Um, so you're only there for emergency fixes. Um, so. Um, what it's given me the time to do, though, is poke a little at some some new tooling, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that today. And what 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 I've been able to do is we're we're fully invested in the Microsoft ecosystem. Yeah, um, I made that decision over a year ago to to switch off of. Um, what you do with a very small company and that's use Gmail as your main mail um, and just go ahead and, and buy the full office 365 package to get you all the Microsoft outlook and everything for everybody. Um, went ahead and took that a step further and have been using uh, Microsoft flow and Microsoft power apps um, to to build some tools that, that we've been able to use within the company. Um, and the, the interesting thing about these is they're both what's called a no code solution. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot of pointing and clicking and, and, you know, constructing the different work pieces um if if somebody's used a zapier or if then if this then that yeah uh, microsoft flows the same thing it, it's actually called power automate now because they have their whole power platform um mantra that they're going by so what what power automate is, is it, it's just saying okay here's a trigger and and the trigger we've got set up is um one example is we, we, we were able to kind of change the chasms tool that we put together to where I put it, made the trigger be an incoming message from uh, Twilio. 
Um, and then you just go through step by step and, and say, okay, if this happens, then perform this step, uh, save this file to OneDrive, create this Word document, anything within the Microsoft ecosystem, Power Automate can do. Um, it can even do things outside the Microsoft ecosystem, especially if there's an open API. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if there's not some, they've got some connectors. I would say the connectors are probably, there probably aren't as many as there are with a uh, Zapier or if then, then, if this, then that, just because Microsoft's probably trying to keep it within their box as much as they can. Um, but for the most part that that's worked for us. So, um, it's been real interesting working through this no code stuff and, I felt it was a good topic to talk about today about why, why these things exist and, and what benefits they can bring to, to just about any company. Um, Because what this does is this allows those that aren't developers to create processes that can help them or help their team or help their company as well. So this has been, I mean, you're using this with Microsoft right now, but this has been Microsoft's goal since the dawn of Microsoft. Yes. When you look at all of the stuff that they've been doing. Now, it's a lot of it has been kicked to the curb over the years because it didn't work that great. But I think we are, it's almost like Microsoft tried it, tried all this stuff to make no code, um, like, GUI interfaces to build processes and workflows. And then none of that really stuck. And then if this, then that, and Zapier came back and the no server, like the serverless movement came back. And now we're in this mode of, oh yeah, this is what we all want. This is what we were trying to do in the first place. (laughs) That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is great. I mean, when you talk about when you talk about what people keep bringing up, everyone should code. I remember this ridiculous thing. I think Mayor Bloomberg in New York was like, "I'm going to code. I want to learn how to code." It's like you're a billionaire with a humongous technology team. I don't believe you know how to code at all, or that you need to. Um, but the, the truth is, is that more and more people in the information economy need to be able to get computers to do stuff for them. Right. And not everybody has the time or it's not really a talent thing. It's just more of, there's, there's a mindset around coding, which has to do with debugging. Some people are great at debugging, have the patience for it, find it fulfilling, and some people don't. That's what I've always seen. Right. And, but when it comes to what you're using, I'm like, what my biggest question to you now almost is, what is the debugging story around what you're working on? How, that's where I've always seen it fall apart. Because as yeah. a programmer, I need a lot of information to debug things. And those tools, I just 
got a caused a bug in my cat i think um <laughs> the those tools don't do that well no. feedback is bad tracing like tracing stack trace is bad like which is it shields the user from that stuff but when things go wrong you don't know where the hell it went wrong so that's what i guess i'm curious about how do you debug what you're working on yeah i would say debugging testing and um deployment are three areas that need work um and i'll, mm -hmm. I'll go over all three um debugging to be honest Yes, there are lots of debugging tools in, in languages, but how often in a JavaScript program do you just console log something as opposed to actually using a debugging tool? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I've, I've had to use within Power Automate um, is I just have it, if it reaches a certain condition, I just have it send a message to teams, to, to teams privately to me. Um, Cause there's no quote console for it to dump things into. So it just in, sends me a teams message and then I look for it and I go, okay. And I, you know, I'll have it send the variable to teams so I can work around it. Um, hand in hand with that is testing and there's certainly no testing frameworks for it that within yeah. the, within the tool, there's a test button and you have the choice of, um, performing the trigger action yourself or using a data from a previous run. Um, and, and most of the time you just use data from a previous run and you run through it. Uh, and then at the end of the test, you can open up each step and see the inputs and outputs from each step. So there's a little bit of, of knowledge there, but even that's a very manual. Um, I honestly went through a, at least one day, probably two of trying to get a hold of a specific variable because it wasn't the, 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 the flow wasn't working properly. Yeah. So uh, it, it took me a day or two to figure out how to access the, the particular variable I needed to print it out so I could see what was going on. And it ended up that it was a, um, it was a string I was trying to treat as an integer, um, which if there's, if there's one th uh, digression, if there's one thing that, that automate does is it very, it's very tight strict. Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay. It's just changing your mindset into being, okay, wait, this is, this is a string. I need to make it an integer. Let me do this, this, and this to it. Um, but it's very, it is very methodical. Um, back in the days of basic and COBOL where you had to initialize variables, you have to initialize variables here within automate. Um, you can't just set a variable to something. You have to actually initialize it. Um, so, so off my digression, um, <laughs> testing and debugging, it, it feels a little like when you console log something within JavaScript, there's yeah. certainly no frameworks to help you with that. Um, deployment was another headache I had. Um, they, so what I did at first was 
these tools, the, this power platform, they have costs associated with them as, as well they should. Um, but they also had a plan available that said, hey, you can use this as a, they, they called it a community plan. And it was essentially, as long as you're not going to use this commercially, you can use this piece. Um, and you get all the features for it, and it's one user, that sort of thing. So that's where I built my my power app at first was was within that. And then it was working, it was ready to go, and I was ready to move it to production. And I found out that the data and the database that I had built in this community plan, there was no step to say export that to production. Um there was there was a entry within the platform that said um, copy data out to to a CSV and then on the uh, production side import it, but it didn't work. And when I reported that to Microsoft, the answer was, "You're right. Try this other longer way of doing it." Mm. So it, it it's still in the case of you know there. It's not quite mature yet. I think it's getting more mature, um, but th- there's certainly that aspect that that it, there are mind fe- minds you have to watch watch out for because that having to move that data cost me an extra day or two that it shouldn't have to cost me. So, I'm the guy that has given you crap for being a manager executive doing the programming that other people could do, so to speak. I'm also the guy that deep sixed part of your production (laughs) application, which forced you to do this. We're not going to talk about that on CTO think, but let's just say I'm fired as CTO. (laughs) But the, the question is compared to programming, like it, I, I, I stand by my, um, criticism before of, hey, maybe you don't need to be doing these hands-on coding things. This seems like the more the compromise we've talked about. But does it feel that way to you right now? Do you feel efficient at all? Um, oh, incredibly. Executive? Okay, incredibly. You yeah. Okay. okay. So what what this has allowed me to do even more. So, so I talked about how we replaced chasms and that was one thing I built within automate. The second thing I built for, for our team. Um, and it's, it's worthwhile going through the whole story so we can see what, how it made me efficient. Yeah. Um, so the company has had about seven months of 2019 were unprofitable and about four or five were profitable. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I had to dig in and figure out why. So I literally took, we probably invoiced two to 300 work orders a month. Um, and all our data is between QuickBooks that shows me the invoice amounts and um, any billings that we get from any suppliers like Home Depot, Lowe's, commercial suppliers, things like that, mm-hmm. uh, any contractor, subcontractors that did work for us, so on and so forth. So I, I took over, I took close to a, hunt, a thousand work orders and went 
one by one to take, okay, here's how much we invoiced. Here's how much our labor cost was. Here's how much our material cost was. Here's how much our, and then I put, I put some calculation in place for overhead, for my salary, for the uh, office staff salary, for all of that, and applied that against every work order as a percentage basis. And, and did that for, like I said, about a thousand work orders. And what that showed to me was a couple things is um, we we also have for our for our technicians that go out and do work um, they don't they don't bid the work because they work directly for us they have timesheets they say I spent you know four hours on this job I spent an hour and a half driving to this job um, and I went x many miles so they have paper timesheets that they hand in every week. Um, And what I found out was if a technician was going back to a certain um, work order over a few week period, so let's say they went to a certain job site for a certain work order three times over a four or five week period, sometimes we were missing one of those times they went. So we didn't bill for it properly. Um, and it didn't happen once. It happened enough times. I was like, this is a problem. We got to figure it out. So what I what I determined is that it's just hard when you've got that many paper timesheets you're working through to make sure you got it all. So I built just a small little tool within Power Platform, um, within the Power Apps platform. Again, no code, but it's essentially a point and click uh, IDE where you drag things in. Um, I built a small little couple little database tables for it. Um, And it's essentially where somebody can sit down, take a paper timesheet and just enter all the information in it. And then what that allows us to do is when we're going to invoice, we type in the work order number and it shows all the time entries for that work order. Yeah. Um, So that took me from the, from the day I started to the day I finished, it probably took me, five part days to get that complete not five full days but parts of five different days to get that working Mm -hmm. and i was able to essentially eliminate a problem now it doesn't completely eliminate the problem you still have the um human step of entering those work orders and if they mistype a number you might still miss something um but it's one step closer to eliminating some of the human interaction in it. So that felt to me like an efficient use of my time that solved a definitive problem that the company was having that more people wouldn't solve better training might solve to a degree. Mm. But at the end of the day, the more you can take, each step out of a human hand and put it within a, a central data structure so that your human steps are less, the better off you are. So that that's the best answer I can give you as far as why I think it's efficient. So I bop you on the head with a, a rubber mallet just to be nice. And you lose the ability to remember how to code. Okay. So now you're a normal executive. Okay. <laughs> What are you able to do with this thing now? All right. So I, I, what you're saying is I've lost all knowledge of JavaScript, Pascal, 
PHP, all that knowledge I've lost, but I still have the problem solving ability that a developer has. Uh, that's what I'm saying. You kind of lost, like you forgot how to be a developer. It's been, I mean, maybe you know how to use Excel. Okay. And, and, and what I'll say (laughs) is that it's not for everyone. Okay. Um, it certainly opens the door. It's a lower barrier of entry. Um, what it, what, what you can do with it is I can set up people who are not developers and say, here's, here's Microsoft flow. Here's one or two videos, go build something small, have it, have it do something when you receive an email. Yeah. And, and work through that on, you know, in between calls or whatever, just work on it for the next couple of weeks and see what you can build that I absolutely know I can do. Are there uh, just going across, you know, my, my lifetime of work, um, are there people with, that I've worked with that I'm like, no, you're, you're not touching this. Absolutely. But that's true of any tool. Um, you wouldn't give any tool to anyone. You got to figure out who the right people are for it. So I think the short answer to the short answer to that long answer is I'm going to give this to people who I think in another life could have been a developer, even a junior one, um, but not necessarily for everyone. Just because uh, to go back to your example of um, Microsoft has been doing this for since the beginning of Microsoft this is what VBA scripts in Excel were, right? It was just another, this was 15, 20 years ago within Excel, the ability to make Excel do more than what Microsoft allowed you the ability to do. And those weren't necessarily developers doing that. Those were just people in offices who were really good at Excel. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not of the mindset that my, I'm, because I'm a programmer, I'm doing some crazy better stuff than pe- most people. And I've used, like, I've, when people tell me, oh, I don't know how to program, I've had people, br- like, I'd say, show me the most complex Excel document that you have to work with. And they'll show me this thing, and they've been doing macros and calculations, and, you know, they're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And I'm like, this is programming. You just don't think it is. You think it involves like a a page of text that you that makes no sense to you. But it's all programming. It's all at the end of the day, you're just abstracted from the direct interface with the CPU to process the binary code. But you're still giving instructions to a machine, and that's what programming is. So. I think what you're what you are using with Microsoft is awesome. I'm just wondering, like, is this just another iteration that won't pan out? Because if this then that um, is even better than Zapier with letting people build workflows without with just very little logic, and I'm wondering, like. How do you see, like, are they going in with the training? Like, you know how um, the, uh, 
Firebase has just tr- tons of videos and a whole like support team designed to train people. Like, do you, is Microsoft doing that kind of stuff for this? Yeah, I, absolutely. And and this is where Microsoft is different than most companies, um, and not necessarily in a better way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've said this once or twice before, and it's what turned me off to Microsoft back in. 98 when i was when i was trying to replace my my the the cms i was using for fantasy football i i i needed to make a change and i stayed away from net due to the cost yeah so microsoft has stuff out there and they've got a nice development website um even for automate and power apps that's fairly straightforward on how to do it um they, they also have conferences galore. Uh, I, Microsoft has at least mm, around, I'll say, one conference a month mm-hmm. on different parts, different aspects of their tooling. Sometimes it's a whole power platform. Sometimes it's just power apps. Um, they've got, you know, um, roadshows where they go to different cities and do, you know, a day seminar on these things. The online stuff's pretty good. Where you run into problems is it's been, and it's the same with anything. It's been around long enough that if you Google it without time boxing your search, you end up with answers from four years ago that don't work today um, because of changes in the platform. So that's about the only concern I have besides the money. Um, I passed on going to one of the Microsoft conferences this year that was right here in Orlando. So all I had was the conference cost, um, because most of those talks end up online. So that's what I'm going to be doing over the next couple months is going through some of those talks, seeing how effective I can pick up on it and then maybe go to that conference next year. Well, I mean, I think... I mean, the whole, even Firebase tries to abstract a ton of stuff for a programmer. Like, I I benefit from this type of stuff now. It's just that now you're seeing more of these workflow builders and stuff that are trying to make it so you don't need to know JavaScript. You don't need to have that headache. So, but the education is still there. Like, you still can't expect people just to plug and play. Right. The, qu- the question is, I think, if you're a CTO right now and you have a team of programmers, do you insult them by saying, I want you to use this, if this, this Microsoft version of Zapier versus coding? Like, I, I still talk to companies who have developers, cranky developers on their team. And they and that developer won't use a framework like React. They're just going to use Vanilla JS because they can do it better in their mind. Right. Right. Of course, none of that crap is maintainable once they're gone because you can't Google the framework that this person built themselves. Like it's still a framework. So the question is, could you get away? And I don't think either of us can answer this. It's, but it's more of a theoretical. Can you get away with having your programmers? use what they would consider abstracted tools. I I would, I would caution against it. Yeah. Um, 
simply because I think if you've got developers in place and, and you have the ability to prioritize their time to solve your problems, I, I do think that you can solve your, their, your problems with their work more efficiently with code. Um, Microsoft has enough hooks into their stuff that you can certainly work through um, pulling things from email, pulling things from uh, Word, Excel, uh, SQL Server, where, whatever, whatever, wherever it is, um, to where you, doing it as a developer is uh, going to be more efficient. Um, you don't have to fight through some of the um, workarounds you have to fight through when you're doing it in a non in a no code environment. Yeah. What this opens up is it opens up the ability for non-developers to solve team problems. Um, so, so whereas before you need to wait on the IT department or the development team to uh, complete a certain tool for you, you can certainly take one of your um, non-developers that are able to problem solve in a developer way and give them this tool and, and do what I said, just start with the, Hey, try to make it do something. when you receive an email, and then once you have the knowledge of, of the basics of it down, go use it to try and solve the problem. And if you run into issues, then we can work through that. And what, what I think I want to do here today is, is encourage the CTOs out there to embrace this as opposed to fighting this. Um, I know within my career, I've run across some companies that are very against quote shadow IT organizations or shadow IT efforts, um, which is something that's done outside of IT. If as a CTO, you embrace this effort and you, you provide the training and the support for it, you get to make it part of what you do and you're expanding your resource base while doing it. You can make the business units do some of your work for you is the best way to put it. Yeah. And that's, I totally think that it's going to always start with the, the non-programmers having more power. That's what these tools are built for. But and this is the risky part for a manager. I, I, what I always care about is maintainability of code when I have a team. And that's why I kind of side eye on programmers who think that everything that they do is the best when it's like, yeah, but I, the, I have to worry about the hit by a bus scenario or you leave and then I have to maintain your custom everything solution. And the, the question to me is, am I better off hiring expert, what is this, thing? what's this thing called again? Power, whatever, what's the, I forgot the name of the. Yeah, it's, it's a power platform. You've got power apps, you've got power automate, so on and so forth. Are you better hiring expert power people? than straight coders now depending it's all depending on the custom nature of your of your application but where like what would you start would you look f i guess the question is 
do you see value in hiring people that are like, oh, I'm really great at Zapier, if this, then that, empower Microsoft power code people or power code features? Was Is that a more attractive developer in the future? It's an option, and I would say it depends on the size of your team. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily make it like your first or your second developer. Hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe it is your first developer, and that, that, that that's a direction you could go, is you can make it your first developer within the IT staff, and then all they are is they're, they're enablers. They're, they're the ones that tackle the more um, complex uh, work you're trying to do. Again, it's unlikely in today's world that you can get away with a lot of businesses without having code written for you. Um, whether you write it internally or outsource it, Mm -hmm. um, you can, in the build by decision, you can buy a lot of stuff. Um, but eventually you need somebody to put some of that stuff together for you, I think. So, um, I would say in that mid size IDT department, that's probably the, the wrong spot for it. If you've got a large IT department, sure. One or two that can handle complex things is great. If you've got a small one, one that can handle the complex things and do some training to the non-developers is also fine. Um, I, I just I do think that this is a direction you could go, again, with the caveat that you are fully invested in the Microsoft ecosystem. Um if if you're using Gmail for your for your um, mail, obviously I don't think this works for you. Um, this even pushed us from Slack to Microsoft's Teams um, tool, which is this, essentially the same as Slack. But now I'm even more into the Microsoft ecosystem because I can build triggers off of Teams. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's a great move. I don't, I just, <laughs> um, you're never going to get fired. Well, you're never going to get fired from your family business, but <laughs> you're not, not going to get fired for going with Microsoft. Like, is that, is, there's a lot of security and risk management you can get away with. Um, right. And which is, which is, um, completely makes sense. Like Microsoft has always been the company that supplies these tools. I mean, I'm working on a MacBook and I'm still using office. Right. Because the company pays for it. Like people still buy into the core Microsoft stuff. Emails where it all fell apart. I don't ever know, understood what I failed so badly there, but um, Gmail just ate their lunch on that one. But for what you're talking about, like I don't trust Google for what, what you're saying that Microsoft is doing with this power code stuff. If you were to say, well, Google's going to do that for people. I'd be like, yeah, I trust Microsoft more. Oh yeah. I agree. I don't, I don't trust that Google won't retire it because their engineers get bored with it later on anyway. And and let's talk talk about why that is right. The, the, The reason that is, is because there are hundreds and thousands of companies who are in the Microsoft ecosystem who pay Microsoft good money for that ecosystem. So when Microsoft provides something within it, 
they are much less likely to take something away and not give it support. Now, whether that's because they have the money because they're charging for it or because they feel obligated because they're charging for it, either one's fine. But that's the reason that Google will all of a sudden one day go, yeah, we're not supporting that anymore is it's outside of their business interest because there's no money generation out of it. Yeah. And I just, I just, right now I, I do like that there's competition in the space. Like I think that it, Microsoft has always had the problem of they were leading in the the movement into this by themselves and there just wasn't a lot of competition that was showing them there's a better way and maybe Zapier and IFTT is kind of showing, oh, this is there's a better way to do it. Or you can tweak it to meet that to right. to do it right. And maybe that's it. I mean, honestly, I feel like getting punched in the face by the industry as Microsoft kind of did um, maybe is why they're starting to thrive again. They're actually, they joined the community and quit making everything their own isolated management choices. And I mean, they're still Microsoft, but I feel like there's, I don't, I don't have the same feeling about their choices as I used to, which were, yeah, I agree. And now it's almost funny because Google seems to be going the other direction um, with AMP and some of these other requirements and the way search is just totally gamed by advertisements and stuff. Um, there's a shift. And so anyway, um, yeah, I, I like I want to hear more about this as you learn more and get more things done. What I'm most interested in is if you're able to shift some of this work to other people. Um, yeah. Not to, not to criticize that you're doing it, but just, um, you know, I, I want to hear more about this. Because I think this, this is where, when they talk about the automation of work and where will the, where do the miners go for jobs kind of thing. Um it's like, ah, I think this is what we are really talking about. I don't think it's all just JavaScript programmers. I think it's people that are bridging that business technology gap with these types of tool, the glue. Um, that's the future more than anything else. So I'm very, sure. I like to hear about this stuff. And, and, and I, I, I do plan, it's not right now because I, I don't think I know enough, but I do plan sometime in 2020 to introduce this to at least one of the members of my team and say, say exactly what I said, go make it do something. And then once you make it do something trivial, see if in your mind, you can come up with ways that you can make it do something important and, and go work on it. I give you the, the, the ability to have that time to go do that. And, and that's a growth opportunity for them as well. Yep. Yep. So anything else you think is of interest on this? No, I think that that's pretty much it for today. All right. I like it. It's good to talk. We'll keep talking about it as we, as you execute more stuff. Um, maybe we'll see more articles. I mean, we 
there was a blog post I shared with you. I didn't read the whole thing, but it basically was talking about this whole um, automation is the key, not programming. Right. And, and I think we're going to see more and more. I think this is the direction we're going to start seeing this technology business articles going because it's going to empower more people. So the question is, how good are the tools? And right. Um, right now, I'm looking at different solutions for things like my company, um, the company I work for right now likes to do everything themselves. So this would never be something they would do um, with what we're talking about today. But even now, I still try to think, okay, how do we not keep building things ourselves? And I try to present those opportunities, even though they get shot down. So I'm still trying to automate stuff um, with pre-existing tools in my own daily work. And we're not going to use Microsoft, but other companies are providing things. And that's what I really want to aim for. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll keep talking. About it. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you next week. See you. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. We'll be right back.